The COVID-19 pandemic has changed life for all of us. But even before this, we were already fighting an epidemic, the battle against chronic disease. And those with chronic diseases are at highest risk of contracting severe coronavirus infections. So how do we protect ourselves during these uncertain times? But more importantly, how do we view health? Welcome to the Glass Half Healthy Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jonar, a board certified physician in internal medicine and lifestyle medicine. In this podcast, I want to address the current crisis of chronic disease and to challenge conventional attitudes towards health. We'll be exploring these issues with thought-provoking guests to help redefine what health should mean for all of us. I hope to inspire you to take action towards a happier, thriving life because good health comes to those who expect it. What is up, everyone? I am your host, Dr. Jonar, and this is my podcast, The Glass Half Healthy. Hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Despite all that's happened during this crazy year of 2020, I'm really grateful for this platform, my podcast, to help reach those beyond my local community and to inspire change towards healthier living. A special mention to those who had personally reached out to me with heartfelt testimonials. Appreciate you guys. And last but not least, very grateful to all you loyal listeners out there and first-time listeners. So from the bottom of my heart, my sincerest thanks. Thank you all. Okay, today is episode 18 entitled Your GPS for Self-Discovery, MBTI and the Enneagram with my man, Dr. Francis Yu on the pod. But before we get to that, a word from our sponsor. This episode of The Glass Half Healthy is brought to you by Apples. Apples are crunchy, delicious, and rich in quercetin, a flavonoid that has amazing anti-inflammatory benefits. Apples, they're nutritious to the core. Get them wherever fresh produce is sold. All right, back to the pod. I worked in the hospital during Thanksgiving week and cases are spiking again, corresponding to the U.S., with national totals at an unprecedented 14.5 million coronavirus cases with over 282,000 deaths. In this episode during the holiday season, we still aren't able to safely spend physical time with loved ones. It really has isolated us, but it also has allowed us to slow down to reflect. One of the common threads discussed on the pod with my guests is self-development to become the best version of yourself, which really is a crucial component to better health. Out of the six pillars focused on in lifestyle medicine, one of the most important, if not the most important, is forming social connections, your strong relationships with others. I saw a recent talk with Dean Ornish, one of the godfathers of lifestyle medicine, who discussed how several studies have shown that people who are isolated, depressed, or lonely are three to 10 times more likely to die of premature causes than those who have a strong sense of connection and community. To have strong social connections, whether that be with your spouse, a brother or sister, your parents, your kids, or your friends, you need to understand who they are. And you can't develop a better understanding of others without first knowing and understanding yourself. This is where my friend, Dr. Francis Yu, DO, comes in. Dr. Yu is board certified in family medicine, 
neuromusculoskeletal medicine, and osteopathic manipulative medicine, integrative medicine, with a plethora of other qualifications. He's written a couple of books, most recently, COVID Contemplations for Self-Awareness and Personal Development, Volume 1. He's here today to talk to us about his expertise in the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, or MBTI for short, and the Enneagram, and how these two fields of study can help with personal development. In our talk, he'll go into more detail, but I'll give you some brief info on each here. The MBTI is an introspective self-report questionnaire designed to understand the psychological underpinnings in how we perceive the world and make decisions. MBTI helps us understand our decision-making on an unconscious level, and in this way, it helps you identify why some people you know may be different or similar to you, and why you may get along with some and not so much with others. The Enneagram, which comes from the Greek words Aenea, meaning nine, and gramma, roughly translated to written, is a model for understanding the human psyche as a typology of nine interconnected personality types from nine basic human motivations. These are basic fears and desires that can manifest in different ways and have different paths of transformation based on where a person is at psychologically. Ultimately, MBTI and the Enneagram allow you to develop a deeper understanding of who you are and will help lead you to where you want to go, a GPS of sorts that Dr. Yu will explain. And if you want to better understand others and build stronger connections, you have to first better understand yourself. So Dr. Francis Yu is here to help you see how. So let's enter the pod with Dr. Francis Yu. All right, everybody, let's welcome to the show, Dr. Francis Yu. Thanks for coming, man. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, of course. So first and foremost, you know, I, I loved reading your bio because you okay. have a wide variety of interests. We share something in common, actually. We both went to NYU. Yeah. I, I majored in politics and economics. And then your major for us? Yeah, I did the philosophy and mathematics while doing my pre-med. Wow. Wow. So you definitely were double majoring plus doing pre-med classes. <laughs> but, I, you know, the, the things I loved about your bio, you listed off credit card miles points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, gotta keep I love that. That's, that was, I was like, wow, he, he is definitely squeezing every ounce of life out of every aspect. <laughs> and then you like playing guitar too, right? Yep, yep, definitely. How long have you been playing for? Oh, now it's, uh, I was... 18 when I first learned. So that's uh, been half my life. Yeah. 18 wow. Years. Yeah. Ever play like with bands or you just do it? Yeah. I, um, well, last time I played, I was, I was playing the bass guitar actually for a hospital band. We had a hospital band and Oh, uh, were, very cool. Yeah. They already had two guitarists. So I actually played the bass guitar for them, but that was, I don't know how long ago that was now, five, six years. We won this local hospital Battle of the Bands Award. It was fun. Oh, uh, wow. I, I, but my weapon of uh, choice is the electric guitar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, you know, like out of all your, you know, specialties and, and certifications, you know, your area that you focus on is like Myers-Briggs type indicator along with the Enneagram. 
And, you know, I learned about the Myers-Briggs when I entered medical school. They made us all take a test. Gosh, thinking back on it, I think I was ENFJ. I think that was mine. Mm, And then um, Enneagram, I only learned about recently, actually, from other physicians. So for those that don't know, I mean, like, how did you even get into this? Yeah, so I've always been that guy that wants to, to know more, ask questions about who am I, meaning, you know, I was that I was 17 years old, staying up at 3 a.m. and like <laughs> musing about things and uh, chatting on, you know, AOL Instant Messenger, you know, whatever, <laughs> that, about, you know, just about things like that, uh, whether it is, was pretend or real, I wanted to be profound and, and I've always been interested in philosophy, that's why I, I right, you majored in philosophy. It, right. Makes sense. And I was introduced to the Myers-Briggs type indicator actually through a, a church function. And it was an activity that we were doing and then I pretty much fell in love with it. And in my residency, I ended up taking the certification course. It was, was it four or five days and I learned from someone who was credentialed to teach it and I learned to apply it and... Um, and use it as a tool for various, various means. And the Enneagram as well, I got into it similarly, but after the Myers-Briggs, I said, oh, this also looks interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a strength and weakness of mine. That looks interesting, and I, <laughs> and I look it up. And it also was very an in-depth system for knowing yourself, knowing what's going on and a model to of understanding and Mm. both the Myers-Briggs type indicator and the Enneagram are models of understanding that I've been using for my own inner work, my own healing, my own development. And I always like to share it with others. And it's been a a path of self-development and I'm the type, if I learn something, I can't just, learn about it a little bit. I have to go all the way. I have to get the certification. I have to, you know, I have to uh, follow it through. Uh, right. You got to get those, you got to get those miles points, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, have to, I have to master it. Um, it's just, I know that's who I am. That's just part of my um, you know, personality. That's, right. I no, yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me based off of, you know, what I know of you. So for those that don't know what Myers-Briggs is and don't know what Enneagram is. Can you explain it for our, our listeners? Because they might ha- not have any clue of yeah, yeah. what each you know field of study even means. Yeah. So uh, I can go into super long discussion. Sure, of course, course. Of course. So let's start with the Myers-Briggs type indicator. So Myers and Briggs are actually two women that a mother and daughter, and they were very interested in a personality typology system made by Dr. Carl Gustav Jung, who was actually a psychiatrist. And he he worked with Sigmund Freud, he worked with Adler, and then he ended up making this uh, robust typology system. Now, this was, uh, you know, years ago in the 20th century before we had advanced neuroscience and a lot of imaging and such, but it was a, a system that was able to explain or try to explain why people do things in a different way, why people make decisions this way versus make decisions this way. 
Some people are intuitive and get ideas from seemingly nowhere, while some need a step-by-step process to get information. So the Myers-Briggs, the mother-daughter team, what they did is they took Dr. Jung's ideas and made it more um, for the lay person because Dr. Mm -hmm. Jung was a psychiatrist and he was uh, more interested in the pathology and the people with um, psychiatric disorders. And although he was also um, a proponent of self-development and such, but Myers and Briggs, they made it into a more available system for everyone. And Mm. the MBTI itself says it's a Myers-Briggs type indicator. Mm -hmm. So it's a list of questions that you take. Is it this or that? Do you prefer this or this? And it turns out a four-letter type because there are four pairs of preferences, introversion, extroversion, sensing, intuition, feeling, thinking, judging versus perceiving. And And those are the four major categories, right? Exactly. And if you do the math, you could end up with 16 types. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I have to say is that the language is a little bit unfortunate because now when we think of judging, we think of like a legal process or a judge being... Or like good versus bad type of thing, right? Exactly. They are merely descriptive of what people are doing. So... The long story short from here is that it's a way to identify how people differ and how they unconsciously, without knowing, how they make decisions. Is it more Mm -hmm. logical or is it more value-based? Do Mm -hmm. they get their information more from the actual what's going on outside or is it more of a spontaneous vision or image? And it shows you that you're different from people. Oh, why is this person, why do I not get along or why do I get along with them? It says, Mm -hmm. oh, this is why we differ. This is why we do different things. And for self-awareness, which is what I'm focused on a lot with the Myers-Briggs is that it helps identify what type of activity you prefer and that becomes your strength. It's just because you do something so much, you're used to it, it's your strength. But on the other side, it shows you what you're not as acclimated to. So for Mm. example, as an intuitive preferring person, my sensing function is quite um, underdeveloped relatively. So sometimes, um, let's say I'm in pain, I bang my foot, or I may not even notice I bang my foot, or I'm hungry, or there's this less of an ability to get information from, from sensory aspects. So that's one example of where I can know I have to work on my sensory aspects, whether that's working out or some sort of meditation that includes my body. I'm able to know what I need based on my, the type I am. Yeah. So that's for the Myers-Briggs. The Enneagram has a totally different philosophy and background and source. And what I would say is it's basically focused on nine, nine, nine possible <laughs> basic motivations we have. I'm mm-hmm. not going into go all nine. Sure. Uh, but it has to do with basic fears we all have and basic desires we all have, but they're manifested in, in different ways. And let me, let me give a, 
maybe just one example. Sure. My example, let's say. So sure, I sure. identify with the type five, and the, so there are nine types, right? Mm-hmm. So type five, it's it's the cerebral understanding type, and the motivation is I don't know enough stuff. I don't feel competent, so I have to I have to learn more things. I have to get the certification. I have to learn X Y Z. Because I feel like I can't go out in the world and do stuff. I see. Hence me learning all these things. <laughs> personality. But the caveat or the truth of it is that we're all capable of being loved, of having health and all these things. It's we self-sabotage and believe that we don't have these key essential elements. And then I think, oh, I don't know enough or I don't have a way of knowing, or I'm not competent. And then I try to find ways to make up for this perceived deficit. So there are nine types and each of them have different, very deep, profound paths of transformation based on where they hang out psychologically. Yeah. Hmm. So with these two types of fields of understanding oneself and, and you know the the focus you, you brought it up before like self-awareness and self-analysis like why would this be important in like everyday life for you know someone who is interested in this stuff yes so the way i like to talk about it is a gps system you have a, a map and you have a gps which gives you direction to where you want to go Mm-hmm. from where you are. Mm-hmm. If you're not practicing some sort of self-awareness, not only do you not know where you actually want to go, you don't know where you are. How do you get anywhere if you don't know where you are? It's a great analogy. You know where you're going. Great, great analogy, yeah. The GPS system, map, it's all useless because where are you on the map? So using that as an analogy, I say it helps you identify what you really want. Mm. Right? I, I've asked people, uh, what do you want to do? Let's say you had a lot of, you had a, and they say, oh, I want to make a lot of money. Right, mm-hmm. okay. Then I ask them, let's say you had all the money you ever needed. Then what would you do? Oh, I would go travel. Then I tell them, what if you literally traveled everywhere where you wanted to go? And then what? So there's this um, getting to the root of what is the real um, drive or or the purpose of a, of a person. So I use the MBTI and Enneagram to help become aware of where it is that we want to go. And the other way it's, it's great is on the GPS, right? If there's a, um, a tree fell down or there's a lot of traffic, you know, with the recent GPS is it reroutes you, right? It tells you, mm-hmm. oh, there's a lot of traffic here. So turn back or make a U-turn as soon as possible or right. whatever that may be. And there are three things that on this road from your, your origin to your destination. Obstacles, right? The, there's a tree in the path or a lot of traffic. Or there's a, literally a road that's missing. It got flooded, submerged or whatever. You literally can't traverse the road. Mm-hmm. And then there are detours where unnecessarily you go this long way around not because you wanted to see the the beauty of the scenery you just were led somewhere else 
and took you longer to get where you needed to go. By using self-awareness, you can name and identify, this is my obstacle, this is my missing road, and this is my detour. So uh, one good example would be um, detour for myself. So I was um, working, doing program director work as a residency program director. I was a vice chair of the family medicine department of the hospital. And it was great, but I realized if I continued to down doing this type of work, it wouldn't really take me to where I wanted to go. I wanted to work with self-awareness and helping people mm. with these tools mm-hmm. and becoming a CMO or all these things what was not really the path I needed to go to get this thing done. So mm-hmm. I was aware of my destination and where I was. And I was able to say, you know what? Continuing doing, doing this work is a detour. Let's not go down this route because I'll just find out 10 years later that you know, it, it's not what I wanted to do. So it saves your intention and attention to be more intentional about the path you're going. I see. I see. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. So, and you know, you mentioned you were a program director and, and you said vice chair of the family medicine uh, department. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not anymore. Cause I realized that. Right. Right. But you were previously, yeah, yeah. so you've worked with medical students, yeah. you've worked with residents, you know, obviously patients, you're a physician yeah. and applying these concepts in your practice, you brought up the idea of, you know, barriers trying to figure out where you can go, but what would you say are, the biggest maybe mental barriers for any one person to you know know themselves better because i mean this totally makes sense to to apply it but actually applying it like you know how how have you seen that work for for you know med students or even residents yeah i'll use a patient as as an example i think it gets the point across but before that the general idea is that we People in general are good at self-sabotaging. We are our worst enemy. So, so I'll give the example of my, of my patient, right? So she had multiple chronic conditions, COPD, in a wheelchair, chronic pain, diabetes type 2, you know, the, all the above, right? And right. she had quit smoking. She was auto-dependent and all that, but she had quit smoking. But her husband continued to smoke, and we both would counsel him, sometimes aggressively, about the danger not only to him, but to her. Mm -hmm. And one day, uh, I got the notification that she had passed away, right? Mm -hmm. She had passed away. It was probably from COPD. She had a lack of oxygenation uh, during her sleep. And since then, I have not seen her husband. I don't know if it's just because it was awkward and seeing each other. I don't know what it is. But that clicks this moment of discomfort. Was he his priority, right? Keeping his wife healthy versus just wanting to smoke. Now, granted, it's very complicated. There's sure many different neurological levels. pathways right. and things like this. But if you just put those two ideas, uh, you realize there's a cognitive dissonance. Mm. And cognitive mm-hmm. dissonance is very uncomfortable. You know, our ego, our, who we think we are, mm-hmm. doesn't like to be uncomfortable. 
You know, we learned in medical school, defense mechanisms and all right. that. Our ego wants to be, oh, I'm safe, I'm comfortable, this <laughs> is great. And it makes all these, you know, rationalizations, projections to believe that it's okay. Uh-huh. So the trick is, or the tricky part is, it's hard to see yourself doing these things because you're in, you're in such a habitual mill that you're so comfortable. So people get, can get comfortable in a lot of different situations, poor living situations, bad relationships, bad diets, anything. And people can get comfortable with that and say, yeah, it's fine. I'm eating all this junk food and all this bad stuff and not doing X, Y, Z, sabotaging myself. But it's comfortable because it's just the way the ego likes it. Ah, this is nice. I know this is not really the healthiest thing. But, you know, I'm just going to pretend everything's okay. And that is the biggest thing, whether you're a resident, student, or patient, or a human being. Mm -hmm. We self-sabotage because our ego wants some semblance of comfort because the world is a scary place. Mm -hmm. So the one barrier is ourselves, our own psyche, our own ego and habits and behaviors, whether that's even like lifestyle, eating, all of the above. We are mm-hmm. our biggest barrier because we don't want that cognitive dissonance, that things may not be okay. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, many of our listeners, you know, they're here for a reason. They're interested in becoming, you know, a better version of themselves. So how would you say in your own words, can people, you know, kind of get over that cognitive dissonance and develop these skills of self-awareness? Yeah. So I would say there's, two major things. Number one is, you hear this term a lot, is know your why. Mm -hmm. So when I tell people why their New Year's resolution doesn't work, right? You know, we know statistics that New Year's resolutions fail, etc. And one major thing I say is that goal, whether it's self-improvement or anything, if it's not grounded in something, if it's just lose 20 pounds, I would say arguably no one actually wants to lose 20 pounds. They <laughs> want what it gets them. Right. They want right. to be healthier, get off medications, look sexier, you know, right. or whatever. And if you don't ground that weight loss to what's really impactful and meaningful and the true desire, it doesn't really go anywhere. So number one is the intention and grounding that desire for self-improvement to an actual vision. What is it that I actually want? And if you think about doing this self-improvement will get me here, then you have only this hologram, right? You see the vision, then you can Mm -hmm. see the action. You see the actions and you can see the vision. It's tied. It becomes a whole package versus an isolated I need to improve myself. There's, it's attached to some sort of vision and identity. So that's mm-hmm. one. The other side of it is observing yourself. So we all have our automatic thoughts, emotions, habits. Some people, they get like a handkerchief or they move it side to side or they have some sort of 
not a nervous tick, but you, you know, some sort of physiologic or body motion that they may do under some circumstances. Mm-hmm. Or they, um, a certain part of the body may, might get tight, right? Or mm-hmm. they may cough, or they may have some sort of physiologic reaction to something that's going on. If you can identify, I do this when I'm feeling or thinking this way, that you wake up and you see yourself, oh, I must be having this experience of fear or anger or thinking I'm not good enough or it ties in your reaction and being aware of it. So let's say, for example, I clench my jaw and my face muscles get tight every time I get nervous, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by purposefully trying to be aware of when I clench my jaw, then I will know, oh, I'm clenching my jaw. This situation, I must be having some sort of discomfort or something is not quite, my perception is that things aren't great right now. So by being able to observe yourself, you just awaken to your own habits and what you're doing. So if you, let's say every time you go for that junk food or that less than healthy behavior, then you can watch yourself. Oh, wait, I'm making this decision. What's going on? You're able to just see. Like, it's like a wake-up call. Hey, hey, stop and see. You're doing this thing again. And you're able to see yourself. So those are the two things I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think those two things are like very powerful. So like, you know, with developing those skills and habits and like, you know, habit formation, it's a huge key, I would say, in developing, you know, lasting lifestyle changes, right? So how does self-awareness, how would you say self-awareness plays a role in behavioral change? Yeah. So it's the two things I said before a little bit of a twist is if you really know what you want because the lifestyle i argue the lifestyle is not the end goal mm-hmm. the lifestyle gives you some sort of happiness good relationship feeling loved mm-hmm. feeling capable being functional being able to do everything you want feeling mm-hmm. good about yourself all these things that people deserve and people should have. So the awareness is knowing what it is that you truly want and how you want to do it, right? We all want to be happy. We all want good relationships. We all want to be safe. Uh, But those things are a little bit different for people, right? My type of excitement is, you know, playing the guitar and, you know, singing with people. Someone else might be bungee jumping. Someone else might be... uh, doing a marathon Uh, and it's once you know that what each person universally wants right which I just talked about and knowing how you want it people want the same thing but how they express that want is different so by being aware of how you tick just oh I this is what I normally do I, I guess it means I run marathons all the time I didn't even realize I like it. Let's just spend more time on marathons. It just lets you focus your attention and intention on something that you enjoy. You just may not have realized you enjoy it. The other part it is, is um, so grounding in the vision or 
So I talked about grounding in the vision that you want, this kind of life that you want, a happy, satisfied, functional life, and being aware of your habits. So if you know every time something terrible happens at work or at home, you fight, and then that's when you go for the oversaturated cookie with a lot of sugar, whatever it is, and then you, you know, oh, but if I don't have cookies at home, I literally can't eat them because they're not there. Or I'll, I'll set things up in a way where I'm not able to do that detrimental behavior that's, that's not good for my lifestyle. So it's almost like hacking your environment and hacking yourself because you know what you do depending on what's going on. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, a lot of the fit, the pitfalls come from those very things that you just mentioned. So if you can be aware of those things, then you can avoid them, but also develop those, you know, healthy habits or behaviors that you, you're, you know, trying to achieve or, you know, reach, right? So, you know, we're running out of time, but I wanted to ask you real quick about the, your second book. You released the first one already. Your second one's called... COVID Contemplations for Self-Awareness and Personal Development, Volume 1. Yes. Congrats, by the way. Very good work. So generally speaking, you know, what does the book focus on? And, you know, in what ways can, you know, our listeners use it to, you know, better help themselves? Yeah. So through COVID, COVID times, there are so many blog videos, all these people talking about we have to fight fear, we have to overcome anxiety, or these are the best ways to overcome these obstacles, our emotions, and things like that. But I feel that it's very antagonistic. Mm. It's Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that we need to destroy, get rid of, and ignore so that we can move on with our lives. Mm -hmm. And we see people do that with a lot of different ways, whether it is prescription medications, or even someone who runs too much because it helps them cope with something, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying you don't need medications or running, things like that. But what this book is basically about, it challenges people to look at their anxiety, look at their fear, look at their anger, look at their shame and their grief that they experience, look at themselves buying the toilet paper, look at themselves, uh, <laughs> watching someone going on a spring break vacation and then probably like either agreeing with them or yelling at them. How could you do that? Is this, this COVID going around? But they're all ex- chances for us to see, oh, wait, I'm reacting this way. So I go through a different story or an article to each chapter and I challenge the reader. What are you experiencing and how can you use this to be aware of your reactions? And each chapter has an exercise and questions at the end. So basically I make people uncomfortable, bring them to a cognitive dissonance and say, Uh stay with it, work through it because anger, fear, shame, anxiety, all these are signs to find and transform to find your true freedom and your identity and your security. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I think that 
a lot of people, and you, you know, you've touched on this on several different points. I think a lot of people get uncomfortable when they feel uncomfortable, but it's those moments that allow us to grow as people, right? Exactly. Allow us to grow professionally and personally. So being able to confront those things, I think is super important. So definitely check out his book before he goes, you know, I ask all my guests uh, this question, how do you define health in your own terms? And what does that really mean for you? Yeah, so the way I, I was debating this question, it's such a good question. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a beautiful question. So for me, it's wholeness and presence. Okay. So wholeness can encapsulate a lot of different things, right? Sure. The, the balance of different aspects of yourself. It's the fulfillment and actualization of who we are right? Becoming whole and being full, whether there's some deficit in physical, emotional thoughts, spiritual matters, or there's a excess. But the wholeness brings everything in balance. There's a integrity in which all the different aspects are now, I wouldn't say equal, but they're working in concert to make things work. Mm-hmm. So the presence is about the now. It's about this growth of your presence, but also the presence here. So it's, it's kind of a wordplay, but it's, it's, sure, it's, sure. It's, about, it's about being aware that you are a beautiful presence that's filled with love and faith and hope and all the beautiful things that it's almost like a transcendent. We can't really quite explain what those things are. And I believe that's who people are or people should be or can be. So it's that wholeness and that presence is how I define health. Fantastic. That's an awesome answer. So before we go, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Of course. So my, my tag uh, on most social media is Dr. Francis Yu, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I do have a YouTube channel, it's, it has a long URL, so it's not like I know off the top of my head. So we'll, we'll we'll, we'll, we can put that on our, uh, on <laughs> yeah. our show notes so you can get <laughs> yeah. that you know, yeah. on, our, on our website. So uh, how about for the book? Where can people check that book out? Yeah, so that's on, it's, it's on Amazon as well as my other book. So you can... Uh, uh, What's the name of the first book for our uh, listeners? Yeah, the first book is Physician Freedom, Living Your Authentic Physician Life. And the second book is the COVID, the COVID contemplations. And um, you can also go to my website. It's simple, www.drfrancisudo.com. Yeah, and there's also my Facebook group where we talk about this authenticity and self-awareness, things like that. Facebook, uh, like Physician Freedom, Authentic Physician Living. Great, fantastic. Well, Dr. Francis, you thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a lot of fun. I, you know, I hope to have you back sometime soon. We can talk more about self-awareness and and maybe even talking more about uh, our days at NYU. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, and we'll we'll see you soon. Okay. Take care. Yeah. Thanks. So, what did you think? How insightful is Dr. Francis Yu? So much fun talking to that guy. I hope our talk will help inspire you to better understand your inner workings 
to help reach the best version of yourself. Please let Dr. Yu or myself know how this one was for you by hitting us up on our respective social media accounts. Also, if you want to learn more about MBTI or the Enneagram, check out Dr. Yu's website, all of which you can find the links to in our show notes. And I'm always interested in improving this show. So if you have any suggestions on topics you want to hear or how we can make the show better, or to just let me know how a specific episode or guest helped inspire you, email me at drjonar at gmail.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. So thankful to have Dr. Yu on the show. And as always, so thankful for you tuning in to hear our talk. So if you like what you heard, please subscribe, like, and review my podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with your family, friends, and online because sharing this podcast is a great way to show you care about your loved ones during this holiday season. Thanks again to the wonderful and smart Amelia Liu, my intern, to Jacob Ferrer for production help, and to Stock Sounds for the music. And lastly, to you. Thank you again for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode, the last episode for 2020. And no better way to prepare for this new year with Anthony Masiello back on the show to share his in-depth insight as a health coach and his keys to long-term sustained weight loss. Remember, your state of health starts with your state of mind. So till next time, enjoy the process, my friends. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not medical advice, so please talk to your primary physician for that. In addition, the views and opinions expressed by me are my own and not that of my former, current, or future employer. This also applies to my guests. Finally, we do our best to make every effort to relay correct information. We do not guarantee its accuracy. Thank you for listening.